0: CIUT 89.5
1: The Sound of Your City Stream CIUT at www.ciut.fm
2: Hello and welcome to another edition of The More the Merrier with Donna G. You're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM Today's show is about theatre. I'm taking you from Queen Street West in Toronto to Dundas Street East. And the first play that I'll be talking about is The First Métis Man of Odessa by Matthew McKenzie and Maria Komutova. And that is being directed by my guest, Liana McCook. It runs until April 8th in Toronto at the Theatre Centre At 1115 Queen Street West. That's 1115 Queen Street West. And then you'll hear from Joelle Peters. And Joelle is a playwright. And she's also the artistic director, interim artistic director of Native Earth Performing Arts. And she'll be joining me to talk about her play Niche, which runs from April the 12th to the 30th at the Native Earth Performing Arts Center in the Aki Studio at 585 Dundas Street East. And of course, I'll have music for you. And let's get things started with Kindred and the Family Soul and We.
0: is beautiful to rise above when you're in love, inside love, his love, her love, God loves self-love, a child's love, a people's love, cause then the struggle isn't so tough, so empty for with life, not just strife. Don't evolve. Don't change. The universe will rearrange itself. The universe will rearrange itself. No help from human hand. Just natural plan. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing.
2: Listening to CIUT 89.5 FM, I would like to welcome Liana McCook to CIUT and the more the merrier with Jona G. Hello, Liana. Hello, thank you so much for having me. So you are an actor and a playwright, and now you're making your debut as a director for the piece The First Metis Man of Odessa. That's correct. Um, And it's being presented by Punctuate Theatre. Can we start uh, by learning
1: more about Punctuate Theatre, please? Yes, of course. So Punctuate Theatre is, uh, we're actually based in Edmonton and we have an office in Toronto as well. Uh, But yeah, we're an independent theatre company and we uh, are an Indigenous-led theatre company uh, led by our artistic director, Matthew McKenzie, who is a member of the Métis Nation of Alberta. He's also the uh, one of the writers and performers in First Métis Man of Odessa, but we'll get to that later. Um, but yeah, Punctuary Theatre, uh, independent theatre company based in Edmonton and Toronto. And uh, we present, we're dedicated to presenting new, subversive, challenging and interesting uh, Canadian work. And uh, we have actually, we are in a long-term relationship with uh, the Theatre Centre, which we've done several shows now at um, at over the last several years. This is our, our great return to Toronto, though, after uh, the pandemic.
2: Have you been involved with Punctuate Theatre since the beginning?
1: I haven't been involved since the beginning, no, but uh, I've been involved for a few years now. Matt and I have had a working relationship, a uh, professional working relationship over the last uh, few years. And so when he... Uh, started working with punctuating took over as artistic director he invited me to uh, be a producer with the company and so we've continued our working relationship uh, in that way
2: now did this have anything to do with you being um Ukrainian because his wife is Ukrainian?
1: well actually um Matt and I uh, we've been we've been friends for uh several years now he actually went to theater school with my husband and then my husband introduced me to Matt. And so we uh, we all have um, friendly theater friend relationship but um, actually I am the reason why Matt met Maria uh, because it was my play that we were in Ukraine researching and developing uh, and a workshop of that play um, that we met Maria. So Matt was my dramaturg. And uh, a dramaturg is someone who uh, helps a playwright tell the story that they want to write. And so Matt, my husband Patrick, and I traveled to Ukraine uh, to, like I said, research and develop it. And when we got to the stage of workshopping the play, that's when Matt met Maria. And that's kind of where the first Metis Man of Odessa story begins.
2: What was that play that you were workshopping and What
1: what's it about? Um, it's called Barvinok, and uh it's actually about it's inspired by my relationship with my Ukrainian grandmother growing up in Canada. Um, and so it's sort of like an auto fiction piece, and it's about a woman taking care of her aging grandmother, and then her grandmother has some sort of secret that she um that is coming up in her old age, and she asks her granddaughter to return to Ukraine to find this missing piece of their family history. And she returns to Ukraine, and that leads her to the edge of the ongoing, what was then um, the ongoing war in Eastern Ukraine and the front line. Because I think a lot of people forget that the war in Ukraine actually didn't begin in 2022. Russia invaded Ukraine in 2014. So this story takes place in 2017 and it's based on our research trip um, that we did in 2017. And, and then again, the workshop in 2018.
2: Yes. I know about the war uh, through my interview with uh, director uh, Vitaly Mansky, who had done a film at that time. Mm
1: -hmm. So Mm -hmm.
2: I'm, um, I'm aware of it. And at the time he said he wished the world knew more of what Mm -hmm. was going on. And then now you know, we're seeing the escalation and continuation of that. Of course. So let's get to the current play. I love the title, The First Métis Man of Odessa. Tell us what the play is about.
1: Yes. So uh, the story is based on actual events, as I sort of hinted at before, and It is um, performed by the writers, Matt and Maria. And Matt meets Maria at a workshop in Ukraine uh, for a play that he is helping to develop. And that's in 2018. And they sort of spark up a romance and it goes on for a couple of years and they have this long-term relationship. Uh, And then Matt goes to visit Maria in February, 2020 in Ukraine. They have a lovely time, and he returns home to Canada. And two days later, the international travel ban goes into effect. COVID takes over our worlds, and everything is crazy. And so Matt... And then a couple weeks later, Maria learns that she's pregnant. And so Matt has to find a way to get to Ukraine and bring Maria home to Canada and um, get married and have their child. And uh, yeah, and so the play starts there and um, takes us through that journey of following their love and their romance and um, all the the joys and obstacles along the way. And then just as any great sweeping epic love story, their story is then set against the backdrop of war. And in our circumstances, Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, this play is is based on their true their true love story. And um, it has so many different elements to it. it. It has so much joy. It's very funny and also just very touching and poignant and really important. Um, it's really a story of the time. Uh, and I mean, the story is unfolding. It continues to unfold. So... It's a really, it's, um, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot to get from it and a lot of ways into this story. Talk
2: about a play that's writing itself. Um, that's
1: incredible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly. And uh, I was just going to say that Matt also, he he began writing this story as a radio play uh, in 2021. And um, then when the full-scale invasion happened last year, they knew that there was more, to this story to, to mine and develop. And so they they dove back in and began um, expanding on what was already written. Can
2: you say their last names, say their full names so people know who we're talking about?
1: Yes, of course. Matthew McKenzie and Maria Komutova. And how are they involved in in uh, Punctuate Theatre? So Matt is the artistic director of Punctuate Theatre And Maria is an award-winning Ukrainian actress, and she is involved as the writer and co-writer and performer in this particular show.
2: Now, you mentioned that um, this was first a radio play, and it was directed by Nina Lee Aquino. Now enter you with the stage version. It's your debut as a director. So Mm -hmm. how was it uh, for you uh, those first
1: few days as as director and not actor? (laughs) Um, It's fun, you know, like I as a it seems sort of like a natural progression. Um, I yeah, as a as a theater artist, just like doing many different things is such a fulfilling part of my theater practice being a performer, a writer, a producer, and yeah, and I've been doing some assistant directing, um, gigs. And, uh, I mean, I've directed children, like 30 children in massive collective creation things, but, um, but coming in and and being the lead on this, uh, has been so profoundly fulfilling, especially this story that, uh, I am so close to you in many different ways and honestly I was pretty much obligated to direct this show seeing as how it is because of me and my plays that Matt and Maria met and uh and it was another one of my plays that brought back Matt back to Ukraine before the pandemic which um was the fateful visit that brought us Matthew and Maria's son Ivan and so yeah it I mean it's been uh I'm working with Matt and Maria they're both Close friends of mine, and so it was a really, really fun room, um, a really open room, a really creative room to uh, collaborate. And I mean, we have such a wonderful team, um, creative team as well of designers and and uh, producers, also open and willing to collaborate. So everyone was just really dedicated to bringing this this story to life, and uh, and and I couldn't have done it with, without everybody's wonderful creativity and input.
2: What's the running time
1: for the piece? It's about 85 minutes.
2: Can you tell me some of the things that we can expect to see? Is it, um, is it done
1: through flashbacks? Um, what's the format? So the format, uh, you can expect to see Matt and Maria talking to the audience, telling and telling their story, uh, but also living through their story at the same time. So. You basically go on the journey with them living through it uh and and so yeah it's, a, it's an interesting kind of like hybrid of storytelling um in terms of like a traditional way of speaking to an audience but also playing and uh playing out scenes at times and acting through it uh so uh yeah and, and uh it's there's a it, there's a lot of things that happen in this place. It's, hard, it's impossible to describe what the story is about in just like one or two sentences because of all the things that happen. And so so you travel all over the world from Ukraine to Canada to inside their mind palaces. And so we have, um, so I think audiences can also expect to see some uh, fun theatrical conventions uh, to, to tell this story. So will there be projections? Is there
2: a a set stage?
1: Yeah, Um, of course. Yeah. So, so we have uh, a beautiful projection design that uh, is done by Amelia Scott, who's a Montreal based projection designer. And so that is like, she brings, but she really is just more about, she's really told the story through the feelings of it, as opposed to, um projecting like a picture of odessa or or a picture of toronto and so uh there's lots of shimmery and sparkles and uh as as they're falling in love and then things shift obviously when we move into ukraine and then we have um, a set of the production designer Daniela miscellus the set is inspired by the odessa opera house uh and then we uh the detailings on the set are done by an um, Alberta based Cree Metis uh, visual artist, John Marie Marchant. And so it's kind of this beautiful hybrid of um, Ukraine and Metis culture. And but it's an open stage uh, with two chairs. And it we call we sort of call it the theater of our imagination because we put a theater inside of a theater. <laughs> and so, so we can really transform that space into anything we want. And then we've been working with. Uh, Ukraine-based uh, compo- uh, composer. Uh, this band called Taraba, and they've created an incredible soundscape for our show, and uh, and that really helps transport us. So there's many different theatrical elements that um, that tell this complicated story in a really simple setting and in a really beautiful, effective way. In in my humble opinion.
2: Any challenges with directing such a piece?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that some of the greatest challenges uh, have been the expediency in which we've had to put this story together, uh, and that and that's really a credit to Matt and Maria for uh, working so quickly and so so dedicatedly to bringing this story. Because I mean, uh, it is not a long time. In sort of theater world, since Russia, since Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, to now, uh, to write a play, to produce, to fundraise, to put the team together, and to to bring it all together, and so, so I think that those have been some of our our greatest challenges. Um, is is just that the timeline that we've had, but that's again, like I was saying, everyone has been so committed to to bring this. Story to because it has to be because it's so much about the now and we need this story now we couldn't go years can wait years to develop the play and um and so but I think we were able to be successful in in our fundraising and and because people recognize that this is an important story that that needs to be told here and now uh, another challenge I would say is um is uh Matt and Maria's son Ivan sometimes doesn't like to sleep. And so he's only two. So at times he, so sometimes uh, mom and dad have been pretty tired into rehearsal. And so had to just uh, pick up the energy in the room (laughs) at times. Yes. (laughs) I think anybody who's ever
2: dealt with a 2 year old will understand that. Yeah. Um <laughs> so um why do the world premiere in, in Toronto? I know you have the relationship with the theater center but why not um in Edmonton first and then come out to Toronto? Um
1: well, you know, we we're actually on a world premiere tour right now. And so, yeah, we have our relationship with the theater center and they they're such a great um artistic Hub and really supportive of us and our company and of Matt and his writing, and uh, so we we've because we've done a few shows here as well. We we've we have some connections within the community and um, people people have seen and uh, really support Matt and his work here. Uh, and I mean, so much of the story actually takes place in Toronto um, because Matt uh lives here and uh Maria visited Matt here when when she was when they were first forming their relationship and, and Matt and Maria now live in Cabbage Town. So so it is a very Toronto story. Um, but like I said we we are on a world premiere tour. Uh, so we are, are have a six city stop on this tour. And we actually just came from uh Kamloops uh where we i presented the show as well. And that was um, a great place to, to really nurture the beginnings of this show. And now we are feeling up and ready and confident to to premiere it in Toronto.
2: I'm wondering about the title, uh, First Métis Man of Odessa. Um, mm-hmm. How is the Métis part significant in this play, besides the fact that Matthew is Métis?
1: Yeah. I mean, like that is, that is a big part of it, but it's also, it is a union of two different cultures coming together and, uh, in embracing one, someone else's culture and and what that means and how you recognize that in yourself and also just the humanity of, of that and how our humanness transcends cultural differences and, uh, and we we find one another through our recognition of that and and love, and and love because really this is a love story. And so, um, yeah, like I said, it's it's Matt and Maria coming together, and and learning about one another's cultures. Uh, I mean that's a, that's a part of it. But but yeah, and then and then this this was a line in the play, and now it's now more just a feeling that happens in the play, but this idea of how the more mm, the more blood you have circulating in you, um, Maria had a, a theater instructor who talked about the more blood that you have circulating in you makes you a more whole person. And and so, um, yeah, the first Métis Man of Odessa, while maybe on the surface may seem like it's, Matt McKenzie but I'll let you in on a little secret that the first Métis man of Odessa is actually Ivan who is Matt and Maria's son and ah. so so a little a little surprise there but yeah well, so
2: well not a surprise anymore for anyone listening but, <laughs> but for those of for those who are listening to the show they will know that going in
1: so they yeah, will have a,
2: so we will have a little secret going it's in no- it's no big spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any physical representations um, in the play that reflect um, Matt's Métis culture, or is it all through words?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I was saying, um, that on our set, um, we the detailings on our set have been designed by uh, a Cree Métis visual artist in Alberta Don Marie Marchand. And so while the the architecture of the set is inspired by the Odessa Opera House, um the details are these gorgeous um, gorgeous paintings and and um, representations from nature. And so there's a lot of um, surprising uh, overlap in some of the uh, nature. Uh, imagery between Ukrainian and Métis cultures, and so Don Marie has been drawing from that, and and the five-point uh, flower that is important in Métis culture plays a part in that, and Saskatoon berries and chickadees and um, and different birds, and so people can expect to see uh, all the all the detailings on the set uh, have been like we were saying, a union of the Ukrainian and and Métis cultures.
2: Wonderful blend.
1: And also, actually, we do have um, some artwork in our gallery that uh, we feature some of Don Marie's artwork uh, in the gallery. And as well, we had a a young Ukrainian Métis uh, artist. We commissioned her to do a beading piece that is a union of Ukrainian and Métis um, symbolism. And so there's a trezub, which is a, Trident, which is the national, um, sort of a coat of arms of Ukraine. And then she also has the five point flower um to represent Metis culture. So that's that's an exhibit in the um some art exhibit in the gallery as well.
2: Liana McKouch, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And this sounds like a very exciting play. Very Canadian play in terms of yes. know, in terms of the mix. So, Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. This is happening at the Theater Center. It runs until April the 8th and the Theater Center is located at 1115 Queen Street West. That's 1115 Queen Street West for tickets. And uh, where can people find out more about Punctuate Theatre?
1: You can find us on social media, Facebook and uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Punctuate Theatre. And uh, yeah, our website is punctuatetheater.com. Thank you so much for joining me, Liana. Thank you so much for having me. Right here Right now, every day, CIUT 89.5, the sound of your city.
3: Days, fade into purple haze, and I feel it. I'm temptingly take me from A to Z, rising to the sky.
2: you're listening to the more the merrier with donna g my guest today is joelle peters and she is an an anishinaabe award-winning playwright and actor from walpole island first nation in southwestern ontario i want to welcome her to the show and to ciut welcome joelle
4: hi donna thanks for having me
2: now joelle when i when i booked this interview i thought Oh, you know, my two guests today will have something in common. Both their plays deal with love. Little did I know that they also have Punctuate Theatre in common. Can you uh, tell me about uh, your work with Punctuate and how long ago that
4: was? For sure. So last year I was approached by Matthew McKenzie and Matthew's involved with a, a company called Pemmican Collective, as well as Punctuate Theatre. So these two companies came together to form a playwrights unit. And it was there that I was able to work on my first ever audio play called Do You Remember? And I'm I'm still in the unit. Um, they, they formed another collective this year. But this year, I'm focusing more on a bit of like fine tuning niche, um, the current show that's world premiering. I want to ask you the difference
2: uh, between Anishnabe and Anishnabewin. moen. Anishnabe Moen. Thank you for correcting me. Okay, what is yeah. the what is the difference in speech?
4: Yeah, so Anishnabewin really refers to the language versus Anishnabe which is more the people. So okay. we talking about like what the language is or like referencing the languages and Ashna Bamoin.
2: Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I have learned. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now we're talking about niche, NIIZH and IIZH. Uh, and do you speak the language
4: fluently? I wish. Oh my gosh. I had a bit of uh up until grade 8 I received like your your basic Ojibwe or Anishinaabemowin teachings in school but that didn't really go too far beyond like counting up to 10 or learning what the the uh, seasons are or how to say things like uh, salt pepper. <laughs> <laughs> um. So my my understanding is pretty limited but now what's really cool on Walpole is that they have This immersion program where the kids are growing up, like really having that big understanding of the language and and being totally immersed in it, which, um, yeah, they're they're really, really lucky to have that because the language is unfortunately dying out. There's way less speakers than there were even when I was a kid. So here's hoping they they're able to pick it up a bit more. There are less speakers than when you were a kid. Mm hmm. Just oh, because wow. the knowledge keepers, they're unfortunately like they they're passing on. True, true. Okay,
2: so I'm glad this program is is happening, and I know there are programs happening um, around native languages. So I, I really hope that uh, there is a continuing continuation of the various cultures in forms uh, in terms of language. Tell us what Niche is about.
4: Niche in Anishinaabemowin means two, like the number two. And so the play itself is set on a reserve in southwestern Ontario, and it's nameless. I never name it um, for a couple of different reasons. I don't want it to like necessarily be one place. I'd like um, what's been really interesting about the the process is that everyone who's had a little bit of a piece of it, a part of it, has said, oh, this reminds me of where I grew up, or oh, this reminds me of a place I know. So yeah, that's kind of why it's not a specific place, but it follows the um, the little family, in particular Lena Little, who's the youngest of the family, as she's getting ready to leave for college for the first time, and so she's the first of her family to head off to school for post secondary. So it's kind of a big deal. It's it's set um, just as the summer's kind of coming to an end. And, uh, you know, she's she's nervous, she's excited, uh, she's scared, she doesn't know what's out there because she hasn't really spent a lot of time away from her community. And in the midst of this is when she meets um, an individual named Sam Thomas, who is just returning to the community after having spent years away off in the city, grew up um, urban. Sam is also Indigenous. And so they're kind of meeting at a, at an interesting point in each of their lives. They're like, so much is changing and there's lots of um, uncertainty and they're both questioning their journeys and trying to figure out their, the rest of their lives, really. Um, They're both searching for purposes and, and yeah, it's a, a big like self-discovery journey, coming of age story that is really infused with a lot of comedy too. That was really important to me.
2: You know, speaking as a Jamaican-born, Canadian-raised person, the oppression stories can sometimes come to the fore more than the comedy, especially, you know, now that we're in Canada. And I'm glad that your play um, has some comedy in it. Um, Can you tell me why that was important
4: to you? Honestly, it's because I wasn't seeing a lot of it. When I started writing this play back in 2018, I was thinking about a lot of the great um, Indigenous plays and and works that I knew. And a lot of them focus on our trauma, our pain, our our hurt, which, yes, those, those kind of stories are important and have their place in um, Canadian theatre. But also, we're really funny. And so <laughs> I wanted to highlight that. I think... The, the actors that we've been working with, all oh, they're hilarious just as like human beings. So like bringing them into this process, it's been such a joy to just find myself laughing my way through rehearsals.
2: <laughs> so let's introduce your cast. Um, Lena Little, Teresa Cutknife
4: mm-hmm. is
2: the actor playing that role. Tell us about Teresa.
4: Teresa is... Lena like as a person I I see so many similarities between the the two so I'm so glad that Teresa said yes to coming on board. Teresa actually was a really big advocate and a really big fan of the work that I was doing to, like putting toward um going toward making this play. I was part of a couple different um, playwriting units with Teresa. And Teresa was always like, oh my gosh, like, Niche, when are you, who's who's producing it? Who's doing it? When can I see it? I'm going to be there. I'm going to buy tickets. Meanwhile, like, I didn't tell her, but I was like, okay, but I want you in it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> did you make her audition or did you just present her with the role?
4: No, we, we sent uh, a message over and we're like, so <laughs> this play, are you in? <laughs> <laughs> And thankfully, she said yes. Yeah, it's been incredible to watch her work and I can't wait for folks to see her. How old is Lena supposed to be in the play? In the play, Lena is uh, not, uh, I'd say around late teens to like early 20s. That really pivotal (laughs) moment when everything can change in in a young life.
2: Mm hmm. And the role of Sam Thomas is played by Cole Dernford. Uh, How old is Sam supposed to be in the play? Sam is supposed to be
4: around the same age as Lena.
2: And tell me about him.
4: Yeah, Cole was a really great find. We did audition Cole, but we knew Cole as a playwright, actually. Um, We hadn't seen him perform in anything, but we did see Cole pick up a Dora nomination for some other work last year so we were definitely intrigued and then um, we auditioned him we said wow that's like spot on for what this who this character is it was it was really magic
2: and uh, rounding out the rest of your your cast is uh, playing
4: Billy Little is Jason McDonald introduced the audience to Jason oh my gosh this is Jason's theatrical debut Jason has never performed in a play before which is why I'm so excited about him he's um really your. I wrote the part for a res dad and he just is that like in his real life which is um so great to see there's there's little like instinctual choices that he's making based on his own life that I'm like oh yeah you're right (laughs) yeah
2: that's that's correct for the rest of us who don't know what a res dad is
4: uh can you expand on that yeah so uh, when I say res dad, I think about um small town rural I think of someone who hasn't spent a lot of time outside of their community maybe I mean some res dads do but uh, grew up on the reserve stuck close to the reserve is really community minded, and the dad that I've written is you know a little bit rough around the edges. He can be a little gruff, he can be a little blunt, but also he's got a heart of gold underneath all of that. He's uh, he's got the humor, he's got the quick switches uh, from left to right, and um. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool dude. (laughs) (laughs) A cool dude. Okay. And playing Jay Little
2: is uh, Aaron Okemaisim. Did I pronounce that right? Okemaisim.
4: Okemaisim. Tell me about Aaron. Aaron and I, we did a couple shows together a few years ago. This was probably back in 2017. We were working on a show by Drew Hayden Taylor and uh, yeah, it was another comedy. So I got to see that side of Aaron. I knew he could play it well. Jay is the brother of Lena and uh, he's he's a little bit older. So he's he's able to nudge or like poke at his sister in, in that way that I again, these characters, these actors for these characters are so perfect in my mind. I like it's so spot on. Aaron is also a musician and so while we haven't contracted him to like do sound stuff on the show he's also adding little perspectives here and there in in the rehearsal process which is really lovely and PJ Prudat plays Casey Thomas yes and so Casey is Sam Thomas's auntie well Casey as the character is very loving very supportive very much like whatever you want to do with your life i i support you and i'll help you get there like that that little cheerleader in the corner which um really rounds out the cast in such a sweet way and pj really is that pj embodies that super nicely and has the 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 switch to also play the comedic and then the supportive loving and um yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of PJ and PJ's work. I I can't wait. Can you describe more for us
2: what that feeling is like when you've written something and then you see the cast come alive saying your words?
4: Oh, it's um it's pretty surreal. I I think because so they're using a lot of their real life um they're they're referencing or they're like inspired by people they know in their own lives by these characters for example one day Aaron was saying oh like Jay is saying this like a couple of my cousins like I know I know this guy I know who this guy is and so I'm gonna bring that into the room and and PJ was thinking like yeah I I'm the auntie and, and like I'm thinking about my my nephew and nieces and and so it's Oh, I could not have asked for more. Like they're they're all bringing so much with their own hearts. And I'm so grateful. Did you have a dramaturg assist you with this piece? I did. I had a little bit of help from Desiree Laverenz, who's the director. And that is um, through the Punctuate and Pemmican Collective Playwriting Unit. But I also worked a lot with Phelan Johnson, who is another Indigenous playwright. And we spent oh, a couple a of couple good years um, hammering away at this piece. And and it was really, really a good time to um, get to know Phelan. And we discovered so many similarities between our upbringings. And then I also did a little bit of um, dramaturgical work with Tara Began Back in the very early days, I worked with playwright Jeff Ho through the Paprika Festival. Oh. And so yeah, I've had some really influential, mm-hmm. uh, inspiring folks help me figure out what I wanted to write.
2: Now, in terms of your your background, um, was your life split between a reserve and the urban
4: landscape? I grew up on the reserve and I still um I still go back at least I try once a month or so just because I I miss my family's dog too much if I'm away for much longer. <laughs> Family dog. <laughs> yes. He's my pride and joy. <laughs> but now that I, I'm i the interim artistic director at Native Earth, I obviously need to be in Toronto. So it pulls me away a little bit more than I, I would like. But um, yeah, when I wrote the play, I was definitely thinking of like my own experience of, of growing up in community.
2: Well, you've brought me to my next question. Um, What's it like being the interim artistic director for Native Earth?
4: It's a little scary, but I love it. Every day is something different. And I would say right now with having both um, an AD hat and playwright hat on, it's a little bit tough to manage, but it's so much fun. (laughs) I'll sleep later.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And
4: for people who are listening
2: who have no idea what some of the de- uh, the duties are of an artistic director, can you explain a bit, please?
4: Oh, for sure. Most of my days are emails. I would say that's a really big part of the job. It's also meeting with artists who sometimes are coming in from outside of the city, or sometimes it's going to another like center to see a show. It's also thinking about what we want to program, the kind of workshops or or communications or or discussions we want to have. It's about supporting indigenous artists at the core of it and finding all the different ways to do that.
2: Besides the mentoring, did you study theater in
4: a, in a formal setting? I a- actually studied acting for camera and voice because I thought I was going to be a, a like a film and TV star. <laughs> so the the world of theater was very much my learning on stage or like in the rehearsal hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how life leads you in a different direction? Oh, totally. Yeah. I never would have envisioned everything that I'm doing right now. <laughs> kind
2: of like Lena. For you sure. Know? Yeah. How long did you spend uh,
4: writing that play and developing it? I think this is the fifth year. Yeah. I I didn't write consistently over five years because I tend to go in a little bit of um, intense spurts. So if I'm part of a bit of a, of, say, a playwriting unit, I will write, write, write for a few months and then I'll take time away to, say, perform in a show or hang out with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Back to and the dog I'll... again. Your family's yeah. gonna have something to say about this. <laughs> I gotta shout him out. I gotta shout him out every time I I get a chance to just because he's been so influential. <laughs> um, Does your dog, um, is he the
2: de-stressor in your life that 100%. is able to?
4: Yeah. Even when I'm here in the city and I'm, I'm not able to go see him, I'll, I'll text my my parents and I'll be like, so like, how's he doing? What's What's going on? <laughs> he's your baby. <laughs> he is. Oh, he's so sweet. Yeah. When with a job like this and with the amount of things going on, those are the type of things that help to keep me grounded for sure.
2: I have never been on a reserve. Can you describe your reserve for me, please?
4: Well, when I talk about reserves... Technically speaking, Walpole Island is unceded territory, which means we never gave it up and it was never like uh, like a given to us in that way. Mm-hmm. And so um, my experience is a little bit different than others. But what I can say about mine is that it is, oh, there's probably around 2000 people that live in the community. So it's fairly small and And the houses aren't necessarily like side by side to each other. There's different um, neighborhoods and um, there's lots of smoke shops and little uh, beading shops. And we've also got a ferry that takes you in between Canada and the States. So I grew up right on the border, um, which I, I guess is something that makes my community a bit more unique.
2: What is it you get from going back
4: once a month
2: um, besides the de-stressing with your dog?
4: I feel like for me, it it's my connection back to land. It's my connection back to the kind of people that I wrote the play about. While I didn't have particular family members or community members in mind, there is a little bit of everyone inside the play that I grew up with. And do you intend to take the play back to Walpole Island? I would love to. But for now, like there are no plans to go back to Walpole. But for now, there is a group from the Youth Council on the res that are coming here to see it which is really exciting. They're coming oh, in the first wonderful. weekend. Yay. So a bit, yeah, a little bit nervous, but also just way more excited for them to see what I've what I've been cooking. Yeah, they must be so proud of you. It seems like it. Yeah, they've been really supportive. And you must be proud of yourself as well. It's a big step. I, I honestly, yeah, um, things have just been really moving along so quickly that it's a little hard to process sometimes that, oh, there's a lot going on, like uh, there's many milestones that I've reached here within a short amount of time. May it continue. <laughs>
2: and uh, I look forward to seeing this uh, YA romance. I'm yeah. a huge lover of, of romance and you've got the comedy in there, too. So you've definitely got me as as an audience member yes. to, come, to come and see your play. And uh, thank you for... Uh, Teaching me about Anishinaabe and Anishinaabemowin.
4: Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Absolutely.
2: The play runs from April the 12th to the 30th at the Native Earth Performing Arts Center in the Aki Studio. And that's at 585 Dundas Street East. Did you want to give out the website for everybody, please?
4: For sure. It is just nativeearth.ca. And are you on Instagram in case people want to follow you? I am. It is my first and last name. So joellepeters.jpg. Thank you so
2: much, Joelle, for joining me and teaching me and uh, bringing me into your world.
4: Thank you, Donna.
2: Thank you for tuning in to The More, The Merrier. This is Donna G signing off for another Sunday afternoon. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can reach me at TMTM with Donna G on Instagram, Facebook, and still Twitter. Or you can simply go to www.ciut.fm. All my contact details are there. Thanks again to my guests, Leanna McCook and Joelle Peters for joining me. Music on the show, we started off with We by Kindred and the Family Soul. And after my interview with Leanna, you heard Melanie Durant's Sky. And I'm going to end with just some dance music. And this is Posto Oyo by Nax Bitota. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next week. Bye bye.
5: Bunda ka bomo ya bango oyangabanko na kongo batata bango maboko ma kolo ndambe ntuwe zakumara komituna kale somuni bisotso sala